Good morning. What's going on? First Sunday of the new year, first sermon of 2016. Honored to present that to you today. That's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Open your Bibles, grab them. This is the time that you ABF people put away that systematic theology book that's a thousand pages long. We will not be referencing that today, I promise you that. Sorry. Unfortunately, we're going to speak some truth. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So, good morning, guests, if you're with us. Uh, my name is Brent. I'm the pastor of Student and Family Ministries. Give a shout out over here to this uh, row over here. Raise your hand, students over there. Okay. That's not all of them, but there's a ton of them over there. That's good. Um, actually, most of those students don't actually attend. Um, their families don't attend this church, so that's awesome. Thank you for being here. That's really wonderful. You guys are awesome. You guys are great accepting and uh, doing a really good job. Our student ministry is growing. Our kids' ministry is growing. We just had a full class of new teachers that just went through training this morning that was pumped up. It was great. So uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job. I am so pleased, uh, so pleased and excited about the new year, and I hope that you are as well. Um, next week, we start a new series called All Things New. New Beginnings, new hope, new years bring these things. And so we're going to look at what the Bible talks about, the newness that, he, that, that God calls us to be. God calls us a couple of things that are to be new, and Ross is going to talk about that. It's going to be a four-week series, and we'll dive into that starting next week. Super excited about that. We talked a little bit about uh, the verses and the titles that God calls us to be new in, and it's going to be so great. So be expecting that next week. Um, grab your Bibles, Romans chapter 8 is where we, we will be in today. We will stay there for the duration of the, um, the sermon. And um, Romans chapter 8 is so rich and deep. It's deep in theology. It's deep in just everything that we do as a body of faith could probably be found in Romans chapter 8. And so we're going to look at verse 31 and following. And we're going to talk about some confidence, getting ourselves some confidence for this new year. Pray with me, and we will dive right in. Father, God, we thank you for meeting us here in this place as we come and worship you. We come and exalt your name as we look into your word about what it says to have confidence for this new year. Some of us are dreading this year. Some of us are excited about this year, um, but all of us need to, to settle down and have a confidence about ourselves because you are a ruler and you are a God. And we thank you for this time. Let it be precious in your sight. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So one, of my, uh, one of the stories I read this week in preparation for the sermon was a guy who lived in Cleveland, Ohio, an elderly man that was a die-hard Longtime fan of the Cleveland Browns. Now, if you know anything about the Cleveland Browns, you know that they have never gone, much less won, a Super Bowl. In fact, they've only made a couple of uh, playoff appearances. And so it was this man's lifelong passion to be a Cleveland Browns fan. And unfortunately, he was a Cleveland Browns fan. On his funeral, he wrote a letter to six of the captains of that year's uh, Cleveland Browns team for them to be the pallbearers at his funeral. So that, as he wrote in the letter, that they can let me down one last time 
That's harsh. That's harsh. As we start the new year, some of us are excited. We, we have this anticipation about this new year. But then some of us are having some trepidation about the new year and maybe dread for fear of being let down yet again. I've been pastoring for uh, about 14 years and I have talked to many people around this time that are just simply dreading what is to come because we know things on the horizon that are coming. Some of us have issues that are arising. Maybe that's financial things that are coming that you know, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this quarter, this end of the quarter meet. We know some things that are happening and we are just scared and timid. Then I know people that have the same horizon, speak to many of you, that have the same horizon, same view of the year, that, man, yeah, tough things are coming, but they seem to be thriving rather than surviving. And what confidence do they have? What confidence can we have going into the new year so we can anticipate excitement, so we can anticipate growth, so we can anticipate spiritual maturity? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, I, I, want to, um, I want to look at this in three truths for confidence in 2016. What is the ultimate confidence booster in 2016? Let's, let's look. Uh, starting in verse 31, we're going to go to 34. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, who, who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. I think the first truth that we have is that God is for us. So Paul is going to start this with, what then shall we say? What, what, what about all these things in Romans? Romans chapter 8 starts with, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is a good news gospel sentence, right? right. Amen? Amen? We have the gospel in Romans chapter 8 starting out with no condemnation. Then it goes into life in the spirit. Then it goes into all things work for good for those who are called according to God's purpose. And Paul is trying to find the words to say, what, what are we going to say about all this? Isn't this great? And he finds the word. Words are important, right? Words that we use are important. So Paul is trying to find some important words, and he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? The truth for 2016 that I want us to walk in, the ultimate truth that we'll talk about today is that God is for you. It is the gospel in just four words. God, the almighty God, the magnificent, all-powerful, all-knowing being that spoke and nothing created something is for you. Not, not just was for you, not maybe is for you, but God is for you. Amen. And that is huge. That is the gospel in just four words. Now, when he says, who can come against us, does that mean we're not going to find opposition in 2016? Absolutely not. In verse 35, he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, 
or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, and regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Look at this list. This list is, it kind of gives us a little uh, peek into the times of what they were struggling with the most over there. He's going to list the things out that these Romans were going to be, going to be struggling with the most, okay? The persecution that was going, the nakedness that was going, the, the power of the sword, the Roman Empire. If you look at this list, guys, this list, there's very real potential that all this will come to us in 2016. Of course, there's not going to be no opposition. That's not our calling. Our calling is not to just live a beautiful, perfect life. But if God is for us, who can be against us? The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. That should give us the hope. That should give us a courage. Egypt, in the Old Testament, Egypt was the most powerful nation. But God was not for Egypt, was he? He was for the Hebrew slaves, And what happened with the Hebrew slaves? They walked through a sea because God was for them. The Philistines were far superior military than any other military at that time. But God wasn't for the Philistines, was he? God was for the Israelites. And so Pharaoh and Goliath don't hold a stick Because God is for us. The word conquerors here is the word Nike. Okay, it's where Nike gets that little Nike. That's where they get this from. And the Bible says, Paul here says, we are to be hyper Nikes, hyper conquerors, more than conquerors. We are to be better than Nikes. We're to be, I mean, I don't know, Air Jordans. What's better than Nikes? I don't know. Because we have the confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. God is for us. Who can be against us? Are we living with that kind of confidence? I I believe that we can live in that kind of confidence. I believe that we can start, or if you've already been living in that kind of confidence, great. I believe we can start if you haven't. I believe the next two truths or sources of that confidence that we're going to talk about, I think make it possible for us to live in that confidence. Truth, I think, number two that he's talking about. Let's move on to verse 32. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. If, if the first truth is God is for us, the source of that confidence comes with that God gave Jesus up for us, right? God did not spare him as I probably would, as many of us would not spare their own son, especially your one and only son, if that's the case. Good thing I'm not God, (laughs) but God was loving. God did it out of his love pure love for us. The Bible mentions many people responsible for Jesus' death. Uh, Herod, Peter, the Jews, our sins, but ultimately, it was God that gave up 
his son for us. God delivered our deliverer. One of, the, one of my favorite hymns of all time, and I find myself whistling it all the time. In fact, last month when I was putting Christmas lights up, I remember whistling this song. And it's so gospel that it will forever be one of the favorites. And it's How Great Thou Art. You probably have the verses running in your mind right now, those of you who have been churched all your life. Just know how great thou art. But just listen to the words. When I think that God, his son not sparing, came to die, I scarce can't take it in. It's like Paul. I can't find the words, right? I scarce cannot take that in. That on the cross, he gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And if God would do that, the Bible says, won't he graciously give us all things? Now, this is not material things. This is not saying that if you ask for a hoverboard this year, you're going to get a hoverboard this year, right? Many of you are already let down, okay, because that wasn't under the tree on December 25th. Some of you it was. I saw one this morning. God does not want you to fall on your head. Thank him. Okay. Amen. <laughs> there you go. It doesn't mean that you're going to get that car that you've always wanted or that raise that you've always wanted. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the material things that you think that you need. What it does mean is that he's going to give you the things in order for you to live the abundant, victorious life, the confident life. If you need more hope, he's going to give you more hope. If you need more faith, gladly give you more faith. More wisdom, all day long. More courage, ask him. You don't have to convince God to be for you. He already shown you that he's for you. He's already shown you that he'll give you all things. Go to Romans chapter 5. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's here that the good news rings true. The gospel rings true in those little things that while you were still sinners, you didn't do anything to, to earn it, to deserve it. God's not going to count you righteous by what you do. He's not going to count you righteous by what you don't do. So in 2016, you look into it, he's not going to, you, you, can, you can go uh, serve at Operation Blessing, not just Saturday, but every Saturday from here on out until the community's rebuilt. It's not going to count you righteous by that. And that should encourage us. What happens is, is that God ruled and there's no higher court and God, who is for us, is the judge. Look at 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. We will definitely, not maybe, not sorta, we will definitely mess it up royally this year. At one point in time, maybe you've already done it and you're on day three, okay? <laughs> For many of us, that's the case. But it's coming, right? But you can rest in the fact that God gave up his son for you. That should show you 
alone, that he is for you. You don't have to wonder if God has your back. If, if that's an issue for you, let me encourage you. Let me let that down right now. You don't have to worry about that because God put your condemnation, Romans 8.1, on Jesus' back. So if you're worried about that in 2016, if, if, if not just in 2016, if you've been worried about that, am I outside the realm of, how, of where God can save? Absolutely not. Amen. Your condemnation hung on a cross for you. God gave Jesus up for us. He also raised he, him up for us. He didn't stay in the grave. God exercised his power and raised him up from the grave so that in verse 33, no, excuse me, 34, who is at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. The third truth is Jesus speaks up for us. God did not, Jesus did not go ascend up into heaven just to retire and to take a back seat on things. Now, the good news is that he came to represent you. He came to be a voice for us. When we don't have a voice, he has the voice. When we feel like we're not being heard, we're being heard by the guy who died for us. He's the only one worthy to condemn. He's the only one with the authority, with the power to condemn. And he's our defense attorney. If the court analogy stands, which it does, here he's talking about a court, who is to condemn, who shall bring a charge against God's elect, then he is our defense attorney. Hebrews chapter 9, go there real quick with me. Chapter 9, verse 24. The writer of Hebrews will say this, For Christ has entered not only the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, on our behalf. And he's never really lost a case. He is in God's presence now speaking on behalf of you. One of my favorite stories I was listening to uh, a few weeks back was a, a evangelist was telling us uh, a, a, um, a sermon and one of his analogies was there's a senior uh, at Texas Tech University taking a logic class, okay? And this particular class was really, really hard. In fact, it had a reputation of having a really tough final. So at the final, uh, a few weeks before the final, the teacher, the professor of that class said, hey, you can, uh, you can take a blank sheet of paper, okay, 11 by, uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, and you can put on one side any notes that you wanna put in preparation for the, for the exam, and you can use it towards the exam, and you can bring that to class, and you can put on anything, okay? And uh, man, the students were walking in for the, the class, and they were, they were prepared, man. They had, I mean, the, the smallest size font, right, uh, that, they were, that they could write on. And the page was full. Everyone, they were comparing notes, make sure they had it. Uh, oh, what'd you get on this? What, what, what do you have? Did I miss anything? And they were trying to add in the things that they could. 
And in walks the student, Steve, Steve Winger, who's the guy that was those, the evangelist. And he had a blank sheet of paper with him. And he walks in, he sits down, he puts it on the floor, and in walks a graduate student in the field of logic. And he stands right on the piece of paper right next to him in class. And he was the only one to get an A because, because he had the answers and he was feeding him the knowledge. He spoke when he couldn't speak. Jesus has the answer. Jesus is the answer. And he's speaking on your behalf next to the Father. He's always reminding the Father. Just his presence reminds the Father of the righteousness that he gave for us. The righteousness that is imputed to us because of what Jesus did for us. Jesus lives to guard what he died to give, and that is eternal life. These truths, God is for us. God gave up his son for us, and Jesus, the answer, speaks up for us. The only one who's able to condemn speaks on our behalf, tells me that there's no circumstance that can shake our confidence. Amen. In 2016, in 2017, and 18, doesn't matter the year. Take away that this is the first sermon of the year. Doesn't matter when the sermon is. It matters that there is no circumstance that can shake our confidence if those three are true. And they are. Life will come against us. It's on its way. It's already here for some of you but it does not diminish the confidence. Look in 35. We'll go there one more time. It says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen. Listen to the who, okay? It doesn't give a person. It gives things, okay? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sword? The answer in 37, what is it? No, no. That's the best no in the world. I, I, I tend to like yes a lot better. My son loves the word yes. He hates the word no. I, I say no a lot. That's why he probably hates it. Okay? But in our house, we have what's called yes days. Okay? They're very few and far between, but we have yes days, and that is a day where we as parents have to say yes to anything. Okay? Like That is the most dangerous, retarded thing ever. Yes, we do that. But there's a couple of rules, okay? There's even rules on yes day. You can't sp- we don't spend money on, rule- on, on yes day, or we go to Disneyland every time. Um, so we can't spend money. We can't do anything illegal, obviously. So there's a couple of rules. But yes day, any time he wants to go ride his bike on yes day, can I ride? Yes, you can. Can I go jump on the trampoline? Yes, you can. Can I go climb a tree? Yes, yes, you can. Can I go really high? Yes, yes, you can. Even when I don't want to say yes, we say yes. Because it's yes day. And yeses are sometimes better than no, but there's a lot of good no's, right? You go to the doctor and you say, hey, is anything wrong with me? No, you're good. That's a good no. Here is the best no in the world. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors. What, what, if, what if we entered collectively as a body and individually as families and maybe an individual as yourself 
entered this new year with that confidence, believing that not only Jesus speaks up for us, not only that God gave up his son for us, because that's stuff that we know. This is not anything that is mind-blowing, hopefully, to anybody, okay? Now, some of you have not accepted that, and I want to offer an invitation here in a minute, but, but that's not mind-blowing stuff. You're at a church service. You're probably expecting to hear that. But the confidence that God is for you, no matter where you've been in 2015, you could have been in the darkest of dark places. He doesn't care. God is for you. First John 5:13. Go there with me quickly. <clears throat> John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This is our confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. This is our confidence that we have. We have eternal life. We are uncondemnable. Those of us who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, this confidence goes deeper than just, I can overcome. It's he overcame is the climax of this verse. And to be condemnable would mean that God would have to come down and overdo or undo what he's already done, and that's not gonna happen. We are secure, and that's a confidence that we can rest in. That's a confidence that we can have moving into the new year. I don't, those of you who have those big old huge books, I, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. I don't know everything in there. Um, I don't, theologically, you know, wise, I've, I've done this for a while and I've studied theology and I like it. I love to sit down with a theology book, but there's so much stuff I don't know. There's so much stuff that is over my head even. But, but here's one thing that I do know, and I'm certain of it, is that at the end of this year and following, no matter what happens this year, will I remain God's son? Will I remain in his love? Will I be a child of God? Will I be secure? Will I be, will I have a place in heaven, no matter what happens this year, next to the Father, singing how great thou art to the Father, and the answer is yes, because God is for us. Man, that's, that's some good stuff. So what, what shall we say? We're, we're like Paul, right? We, we, we have We've read Romans 8, and I encourage you, we just read the last 10 verses. Go back and read this whole book if you haven't done that. Uh, there's so much stuff, like I said, it's rich and deep. In fact, I just thought about reading this, reading this passage and sitting down, okay, and getting out of the way, right? Romans 8 is like that. It reads very easy. Now, Romans 9, I'd, I'd follow up with that. That's a tough one. That's a, it's a meaty one, but you got, it's there. You got you to deal with it. But what shall we say? We have these truths that we've spoke about, that we've read about, that we knew or didn't know or now 
No, and, and what shall we say? We're like Paul. What in the world do we say to these things? I think we should say now what we'll say then when we're with him in glory and what we'll say forever. And that is, how great thou art. How great thou art. Great because you see in me your son. You don't see me. You see your son. Great because while I was still a sinner, while I still didn't get it right, you sent your son. You didn't spare him, but you sent him. And you see him next to you, and he speaks up for me. How great thou art. We should say it with confidence. How great thou art. In a minute, um, the band will come, and we are going to sing um, How Great Thou Art. And I, in, a, in a response to the, this message, I want us um, to just sing it out. Sing out how great thou art. With passion, but not only with passion, with confidence. Let's pray. Father, God, we are so excited about the work that you're doing in our lives. The work that you're doing in this church, the work that you're doing in our kids and our students. We thank you for a, such a great opportunity to come in a place where we can uh, be uplifted, to worship you, to hear a word uh, from the Lord, and we just thank you. God, help us to be bold this year. Help us to have the confidence that we need to go into this new year knowing, resting on the fact that we have the confidence that you are for us and not against us. There's many of us in this room that have it all together, and that's great. I want to rejoice with them. I want to, to lift them up. I, I hope that they'll bring those blessings in the new year and share those. There are some of us that are struggling and hurting, and that's real. I hope and pray that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would give them that confidence booster that they need, that you would reiterate to them over and over and over that you are for them, that you did not spare your son. And they would know that Jesus, who's the only one worthy to condemn, speaks up on their behalf in a positive way. In your son's name we pray. Amen.